Hi y'all, it is Fisa here and um, before we get into today's episode, I do want to talk to you guys about two videos that were released after I finished recording and that I think you guys should check out when you're done listening here. So both videos are by the YouTuber Khadija Mbo. The first one is called Critical Race Theory, A Beginner's Guide, where she talks about the history, you know, the origins of critical race theory, as well as explaining what exactly it is. And then the second video, which is a continuation or follow-up to the first video, is titled Who Benefits from All This Outrage and Division, where she talks about nuance and moral panics, which I think really ties into the message I was trying to get across in this podcast episode. She touches on things that, you know, I wish I had expressed in this episode, but that is why I am like sending you guys to check her out. I will link both of the videos in the show notes so you guys can check them out. But without further ado, let's get right into today's episode. Sanbanan Dumlang, hello, it's Simply Spisa here and welcome back to another episode of the podcast, Simply Do The Work. If you're not yet subscribed to the podcast, please do so and remember to share it with your friends and family and also feel free to reach out to me at Simply Spisa on Instagram and Twitter. So before I get into today's um, episode, I want to apologize if you guys do hear any background noises that are currently working in our garden. So without further ado let's get into today's episode so today's episode is titled shouldn't christians be woke and now i'm not saying that everyone who engages in social justice work and and everyone who is like quote-unquote woke needs to be a christian but i do believe that all christians should engage in social justice work so let me start off by telling you guys a story so It's a Sunday afternoon, I'm home alone because I'm studying and my family went shopping for groceries and they come back and while unpacking these groceries, I noticed that they came back with Joy Magazine. Now Joy Magazine, for those of you who don't know, is a very popular South African Christian magazine and what caught my eye was a headline on the cover that read, how should a Christian view being woke? And this was the feature article there was another article in that in that edition called should i be woke virtues of cultural engagement courage applied by tendai chitsike and so before i even read these articles i had a feeling it's gonna be mess it's gonna be mess because of the just the specific type of christianity that joy magazine promotes like there there's i'm not even i'm I'm gonna spare you guys yes the details of the because i just browse through that issue and there's just a lot of mess like some of the other articles are just I, I can't even repeat what they wrote because wow but both of these articles right about being woke they're just to summarize what they were saying they were saying that christians shouldn't really engage in social justice work because god cares more about the heart and that all people are inherently evil regardless of race they were, and they also argue that christians shouldn't worry about racial identities because they find identity in christ and i want to read you guys a quote from the the article one of the articles which i think summarizes what what they were trying to say and so it it reads as author scott allen wrote the crying need today is to recover a biblical orthodox approach to justice and cultural engagement 
unbiblical ideas have to be exposed and rejected, replaced by a uniquely Christian and biblical approach to social and cultural transformation that is gospel-centered and known for its grace, forgiveness, and civility. One that treats all people as unique individuals, not mouthpieces of identity groups. One that understands that all evil is rooted in human hearts and not in capitalism, white supremacy, or the patriarchy. One that sees people as free, responsible, accountable, moral agents, and not as victims or oppressors. Close quote. And that is a whole other mess. Like, literally, that quote alone just tells me that, mm mm. Mm-mm, this ain't it and the thing is right one would assume that maybe this was written by um a white cis head man but this article was written by a black man which i found quite interesting you know like specifically in his article um mr chitsike denies the value of people's lived experiences which now i think a point which i do want to say right unlived sorry something just fell on lived experiences right yes lived experiences are very important right they do um help to share it's important for us to share our stories but also lived experiences isn't the beginning and the end of social justice work right like for example just because i'm black and queer that doesn't make me automatically an expert on issues surrounding race sexuality and gender right that's why it's important to also back up my lived experiences with sort of like doing the reading and knowing the history right which i think is something that he didn't um, address in his article and he also argues against um, progressive christians without naming them by saying that his belief in jesus is based on historical objective facts and not because jesus was a marginalized individual which one can argue what are these historical objective facts he's speaking of? Like, is he solely relying on the Bible as a historical and objective point of view? Because we can go down a whole entire rabbit hole how there are certain stories in the Bible that just actually did not happen, and how certain stories in the Bible, you know, if you look at them within their context, were more like myths, or they were more like, um, I'm trying to think of this another word. I'm trying to of the Zulu word Inganeguan, you know, also like a way to understand the world, how the people of the Bible at that time were trying to understand the world from, you know, with the knowledge that they had and also from their experiences, right? How I feel like we also can't just take the Bible at, and try to force its ideas on into our modern 21st century world. And also, um, uh, this idea that you know people are only supporting jesus because he's marginalized you know because i mean we talk about how you know the israelites were under oppression by the romans during the new testament time and you know they thought that jesus was going to be you know their emancipator and they said no 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 no, that's not the point but i feel like i feel like I'm, i'm not articulating myself as well as i would like but what i'm trying to say is right for example if i as a black queer person look at the story of jesus and i see myself reflected in that i'm not necessarily saying that this is this is jesus is i'm not saying for example like i'm not saying that jesus was queer in the same way that i am i'm not saying that jesus experiences mirrors exactly mine but it's sort of for me i find that by looking at scripture through that lens right of my various identities i'm able to actually engage in it much better much better than trying to follow this 
the very pervasive um eurocentric or like you know very white evangelical christianity that a lot of us are exposed to right like it's a whole other mess it's like i don't even know how does one begin to unpack this but i mean it's very clear that someone like me is not the target audience for this for these articles um i also do want to say that this does not represent all christians you know but it is definitely the most pervasive kind of christianity in our society and if you think like that like if you have the same views as like that author i really don't know what to say to you like i i i don't want to say to you like uh i really actually i don't want to engage with you because i don't see how we could have a fruitful conversation unless if you you know if you're open to questioning you're opening to listening then you know i have some thoughts so firstly activists or social justice warriors or the woke aren't a monolith right within any movement there will be different views and opinions on things in the same way how within christianity there are so many different ways in which people practice the christianity so many different views like there's over a hundred denominations if i'm not mistaken please fact check me on that but just because people like me like to emphasize dismantling of systems that doesn't mean individuals are absolved of any responsibility in fact changing the hearts and minds of people is part of the work that needs to be done but it's not just people changing for the sake of changing right it's changing so that when people and individuals have changed their hearts and minds then we also we come together and we can change the systems because i feel like there's the way in which like these articles presented it, it just says just stop at changing people and that will bring justice which is not how i see it right and also like whether you're privileged or not or you're marginalized life happens to us all right and nothing is clear cut in stone and what i'm trying to say here is that you know um just because right for example i'm part of you know marginalized groups doesn't mean that doesn't mean that i am forever oppressed right like I, i said i in my young royals video on youtube i was talking about how you know queer people's lives aren't defined by the queerphobia, the homophobia, transphobia that is directed at us. So like, there's so much more to our lives, you know, and it kind of can be dehumanizing just, to, you know, to just look at um, the work that people are doing for social justice and just reduce it to simply, oh, there's victims and there's oppressors, right? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm no victim. I'm nobody's victim. I know about y'all, right? And when I say nothing is clear cut in stone, it's like, there's so much nuance right i feel like so much nuance that these articles do not explore and they have such a condescending tone as if they are the it's a very paternalistic like we are the authoritative we have the authoritative um like to the, the final factor like i think they as if the like who died and made them king i don't even know what i'm trying like yo isengisi is beating me today <laughs> but i also find their articles a little bit hypocritical like you can't tell me that an issue like racism is because of people's hearts being in the wrong yes it is you know part of that but i'm not disenfranchised because white people simply hate black people right i'm not it's because of the history of white people from europe coming to south africa and colonizing my ancestors stripping them of their right to humanity and also indoctrinating them with a eurocentric christianity which was a way to force black people into submission force them to become docile 
Laws exist all around the world that unfairly discriminate against black people and simply changing people's hearts and minds isn't gonna free us. Now, I will say there were certain points within these articles that I kind of agreed with that are like, okay, I see what you're trying to say. But I think just because of the context in which they were written and I think just the greater argument they're trying to make, I, you know, I can't say, you know, I fully subscribe, I fully endorse their like message. But I agree when they say that laws alone won't rid the issue of racism, right? But their strategy of simply moral persuasion and conversion to Christianity isn't going to solve the problems either. You know, history teaches us that the racial progress we have today isn't from moral persuasion or changing people's hearts, but rather it was the work of activists organizing, right, legislations being made. And I also want to just briefly highlight that theology from black pastors, you know, played a crucial role in the racial progress that is seen in America, and that also actually influenced the work of many South African anti-apartheid activists, you know, and I think that just goes to show how um, it's very diverse, right, the, the work that people are doing and the, um, just people's, even the way people interpret scripture, right, and so I feel like the way they interpret this is very dangerous, it's very, um, it's very us versus them mentality, but I want to tell you guys another story. And before I continue, I do want to put a, um, I do want to say like a trigger warning slash content warning because I will be talking about a police shooting, specifically the case of Amber Geiger who shot um, Botham John back in 2019. So now's your time to click out if that is triggering for you. And I do want to say that the, the podcast kind of, while preparing, um, this episode like it it, it kind of gets like the mood drops from here on out from here on but i feel like this is very important to highlight to speak about and so just to set the scene right this was a few days after seeing that article i was watching a sermon with my family and the pastor was talking about mercy and he was talking about various biblical and present day stories of mercy and i was like you know even though i don't you know I don't subscribe to that church's doctrine like you know I'm no longer an active member of the church but I was like you know I see some of the points he was making when we talk about mercy but where he lost me was when he brought up the Amber Geiger murder trial so for those of you unfamiliar with this case what happened was in 2019 Amber Geiger a white female officer shot an unarmed black man Botham John in his home because she thought she was in her own flat and he was an intruder and so that case was filled with a lot of, there's a lot of controversy around that case. You know, the police officers were um, accused of being corrupt, tampering with evidence. And um, even, I believe one of the, one of the witnesses um, passed away, was killed in, a, in a, a very violent death. And so when Amber was at her sentence, sentencing trial, Brant John, the 18-year-old brother of um, Botham at the time, he was 18 at the time, told Amber that he forgives her and asked to give her a hug. And then the judge, I didn't write down her name, sorry about that. The judge, who was a black woman, also hugged Amber and then gifted her with a Bible and um, basically ministered to her saying you should get saved you should start reading John 3 verse 16 and this is honestly 
a horrific story like my heart breaks for the genre family. my heart even broke further when i was looking into because he just mentioned it and then he you know continued his sermon and i was like um well wait i need to i need to do some more reading because i was vaguely familiar with the case and i must say the way he just dropped this horrific story in his sermon and tried to paint it as a feel-good template for how we should be merciful to others it didn't make me feel good not gonna lie and it doesn't surprise me though that a white pastor preaching to a majority white congregation would interpret the story like this in episode 23 of this podcast i briefly mentioned that such public displays right bother me like i, th- I think one of the words i say is like you can't hug away racism or you know sing kumbaya i can't remember my exact word but something along those lines but i want to add to those sentiments in case they weren't clear that um the Jean family in this case they aren't wrong right the Jean family definitely do not deserve any criticism because they are really trying to do their best to navigate this tragedy with the tools that they have you know like Brent was 18 years old and he just lost his brother in a horrific way like, I can't even imagine how to even process such a thing right and even like you know I was going back to you know the commentary that was made in 2019 during this time you know they were it was quite divisive right there were some people who were criticizing um brand for saying for publicly announcing his forgiveness for this woman for this woman right they felt like it was very performative but you know i you know i'm kind of empathetic right i feel like he's him and his family like the Jean family they shouldn't have to carry the weight of racial justice right like in that moment they're mourning a loss they're complex human beings who are dealing with a very devastating situation so they shouldn't have to in that moment be thinking oh um just all like the how is this gonna look the optics like they you know i think also we understand a lot of times when you talk about forgiveness right it's also something that you do for yourself right to try to free yourself from pain from suffering and so that is just you know my thoughts on that but i do want to say though that the judge right Actually, let me just quickly Google her name. I feel bad just calling her the judge. Tammy Kemp. Okay, Tammy Kemp. Judge Tammy Kemp. Excuse me. Judge Tammy Kemp. Her, I'm looking at her a little bit like, girl, what were you doing? Because in that moment, she was acting in a professional manner, right? Like, I mean, in that moment, you are acting in your professional capacity. And I remember um, I read a letter that was written by a by an organize by an atheist organization who were filing a complaint saying that you know it's one thing for Jean who is a private citizen in that <clears throat> sorry in that's in that case right for him to basically um for him to you know make this public declaration and to express you know his feelings in that moment like that's okay but judge tammy like you are acting as an official of the state right and you know there there is like a law in america about you know, the separation of church and state and so they felt like she violated that which you know, i also think it was you know maybe she got you know like overcome by the moment or the spirit moved as you know christians say but um i think it just it, it sets a bad precedent and i think we this also brings us to a conversation about what is religious freedom? What does religious religious freedom mean? And and funny enough, that very same like the July issue of the Joy magazine also had a short feature on religious freedom. And um, 
don't know, I just sometimes feel like Christians don't truly want religious freedom. They just want the freedom to practice their religion, right? And it doesn't matter if that infringes on other people's beliefs because it's just, it was weird. But taking a deeper look into the situation made me realize that I, it was kind of like a wake up call for me that I need to be careful not to lose sight of people's humanity, right? Like in the case of, you know, the Jean family, a lot of people were simply looking at them as a symbol right and not as people who are going through this very traumatic inc- like incident right like while i'm trying to navigate how we must dismantle oppressive systems that dehumanize i shouldn't dehumanize people in the process you know and while using people's stories or dramas or you know real life experiences i sh- I shouldn't lose sight of their complexity as humans because the john family are still dealing with this loss till today and I'm sure they don't appreciate liberals or progressives um, picking apart at their pain and criticizing them. But I also, I'm sure they don't appreciate being propped up as some template for mercy. But I don't know, right? So as I mentioned, after the service, I took time to research this case. And I found out that recently, in about in April this year, Amber tried to appeal her sentence of 10 years. And the Jean family made it clear that they're against this appeal. And they spoke out about the corruption that was done by the police in investigating this case and how they feel like justice wasn't really served. I think we definitely need to have conversations about what justice actually looks like. For me, it's not the current um, judicial system that we have right now. This trial happened in the U.S., but even here in South Africa, our policing and courts are flawed because of the history and foundation it was built on, right? The police were basically in South Africa their job was to keep the black people you know under submission to the white people right to make sure that black people do not go into white spaces to make sure that the white people and their interests are kept safe and the truth is it, it's not even the citizens it was more about protecting the power of the state right i saw a tweet just before i started filming that was talking about how it's so funny how right in south africa we've been you know, crying out about the issue of gender-based violence and the high crime rates, and there's been no action. But as soon as businesses and, you know, like capital was under threat when there was the unrest and the looting, the South African National Defense Force and the police were armed and ready. And, you know, people were commenting saying, but it's very clear that, you know, the police is not there for citizens. Citizens, we are the last resort. And I think that's what I mean. It's like, we need to question what does justice mean? Because... Having people locked up, is that truly justice? Like, if you've gone through a terrible ordeal, does that help you to pick up the pieces of your life and carry on? But, yeah, I, I, like, it's just, you know, something for all of us to think about because I don't really have the answers, you know. I'm still trying to navigate this and just, you know, I'm constantly reading and listening to what others are saying and I'm sure you've got a lot to think about. And I know it's easy to talk, but the greatest challenge will be actually living a life that benefits others and uplifts the marginalized. Like, I'm definitely feeling convicted about not taking enough action. And I'm striving to do better. And I hope you find the strength to do this work with me. And so, 
on that note thank you so much for tuning in again and if you did enjoy this episode please do share it with your friends and family and also of course reach out to me at simply swiss on instagram and twitter i'd love to hear your thoughts i will link um all the mentioned episodes in the show notes and so you can check that out when you're done listening and so until you hear from me in the next one i love you so much